Well, during the war years, you were a, a gunnery officer in the Navy. And that's, that's right. Did you see combat? Uh, not uh, not in the sense that you usually use that word. Uh, we got shot at and we got torpedoed at, but never got hit. We were bombed and uh, off Sicily uh, we were, uh, uh, but ineffectively, uh, we were torpedoed in the Indian Ocean and it sailed past our stern. Uh, we saw submarines, who were presumably alien submarines down in that area. I got it was a travel ticket. I got to Australia, or since it was South Australia, it was called Australia. Australia. And um, I uh, was in Italy and in the Mediterranean and uh, in the Panama area, and was on my way to the Pacific War Zone. Since the by that time the uh, European zone was almost uh, winding up, when I was transferred to uh, work with Monuments, Fine Arts, and Archives, which was recuperation of looted art, that is what the Nazis had looted, and there were 30 of us that had been tagged for the 32 maybe. And they tagged you because you of your already vast experience in, in the history of art. Well, it wasn't vast by any means, but I was available, and uh, I stopped in on one furlough and to see uh, John Walker, my former boss, and uh, he said, well, would you like to do this? He said, we've been looking around, and we got to the bottom of the barrel, and there you were. <laughs> He's a very flattering man, John. So uh, I said, sure, I would. And, and uh, he arranged for papers, and sure enough, papers came through. They, they had been processed by a Navy lieutenant over at the Bureau of Personnel named Perry Rathbone, who later became yes. a museum director himself yes. in Boston and St. Louis. So uh, uh, this tight little group of 30-some people uh, went over and... Uh, and uh, tried to find where all the loot was stored and then safeguarded was the second thing. The third thing was to get it back where it came from. Tell me something about the methodology. How, how did you um, go about finding it? Had, the, had the, um, the German regime kept records of where they'd put well, things? Well, they kept... Germans are very methodical in general by training and habit, and they kept very good records. Even the looters kept good records. And they'd loot stuff from Italy, France, wherever and uh, pack it in cases very well, and then make complete and thorough lists of the contents of each package, mark the boxes. So we just would spot check crates sometimes. And Where did they turn up? Where did those records turn up? They were usually in the storage places with the, uh, the larger storage repositories. Then we would check museums, where is your art? We would get tales uh, from all kinds of German sources as to where these things were. The French knew a good deal about it. We were About the actual locations. The locations and who had done what to whom, and the Dutch were there, and the Belgians were there. And so uh, between this international group, among this, these international people uh, assembled, we uh, were able to get, get a great deal of information and pinpoint on the map some 1,036, I remember the number, repositories. Golly, Some of it German art, and that had to be protected. Some of it looted art, which had generally been sequestered in salt mines and castles in certain locations. And the greatest treasures were in the salt mines at, at Alt Alsay near Salzburg, ancient salt mines. Uh, that's where the, the Van Eyck altarpiece was, the Bruges Madonna of Michelangelo was there, and so on and so on. Golly. And in uh, Neuschwanstein Castle down in southern uh, Schwaben, Schwab, Swabia, 
uh, in the Alps at Neuschwanstein, which is a picturesque, romantic, late 19th century uh, castle up on a rock, uh, had had uh, in it everything that had been looted from the Rothschilds, for example, in Paris and in France. Oh, so Neuschwanstein was a big repository. Oh, one of the big huge biggest. one, yes. And we shipped back 49 train car loads of art from Neuschwanstein. From Neuschwanstein? My God. It was a quite a long operation. Now let me ask you, ask you this as we go along. Was, was this something very unusual in the history of military occupations that a, a victorious army would seek to put things back aright? Or, or had something similar to this happened? Did, did the English, for example, see to the returning of treasures that Napoleon had looted? Well, I really can't tell you historically about that. Uh, uh, I'd have to bone up on it, and I can't answer that. But all of the nations were, particularly the British and the Americans, were anxious to protect what they could as heritage. That's all our heritage. We're all yes. Europeans in, in our roots. And uh, not all of us, but I mean our culture is. And so we have... Uh, that to, to preserve, and we felt that strongly, and this was a major part of, of the Army and the Navy, even though they were on water, they were concerned to some degree, particularly in the uh, Far East and the Pacific. But uh, this operation was endorsed by the President, and uh, it got a little out of hand at one point, as everybody knows, that we protested, uh, some 30 of us, signed a letter protesting the transport of art from Germany to the United States, from mostly from the Berlin Museums, or almost, to, I guess, totally from the Berlin Museums, of very carefully selected works of art, uh, because we believed that, uh, first of all, that the language was the same that the Nazis had used when they looted, which was protective custody. We thought that was a, a bad omen. And secondly, uh, uh, we didn't think it was right. And we protested, and it hit uh, the fan, and the Times ran a full page on it, and the, all the mag news magazines and, the, and all the rest. And they tried to court-martial us. Couldn't, because we had a escape clause in the letter we'd, writ we'd signed. Uh, and they threatened uh, one, the, the, one of the chief officers was sent over, a colonel, and since he knew me personally, he uh, called me to his, summoned me to his room in Frankfurt and told me I couldn't afford to take this position. I said, why not? He said, you have a wife and two children. I turned on my heel and walked out. And I don't sit still for treatment like that. And uh, then, we, then we wrote the little letter, and, and 30 of us signed it. Only one person wouldn't, uh, who was a real fence straddler from way back. And nobody would, would pack the stuff. We just flatly refused. W were, they, were they masterpieces or were they? Oh, they were masterpieces. Philip, Filipino lippies and seniorellis and that caliber of Italian Renaissance oh, wow. and Baroque painting. Uh, fabulous stuff. So I, I don't have the list now, but uh, we, we called this Westward Ho Watteau. Oh, written that down. And uh, that was what, uh, we, uh, what, what we dubbed it, at least. So did you prevent the, the optics from being? Well, then they changed their song because this was an awful brouhaha, and Mrs. Roosevelt was in Berlin about that time, and she queried General Clay. Now, General Clay was a real right guy, yeah. and he was uh, Lucius Lucius Clay, and uh, and she said, uh, "What is what is this all about?" 
And uh, so he asked us, and we told him, and he told her, and uh, then the song changed back here. Uh, the song changed because uh, they said, well, we just brought these pictures over to have an exhibition for the benefit of German war orphans. <laughs> so they circulated it around the country for a while, and then it went back to Berlin, where it is now. Thank God. Is it at the Charlottenburg? It's uh, it's from mostly in in what is now uh, um, West Berlin Art Museum, oh. the painting gallery the, in, the in, in Dahlem. No, not in the National Gallery, in, in the in the old Master Gallery in Dahlem, oh, yes. D A H L E M, in, in out in the western part of, of Berlin. So you can see those things there now. That, that's amazing. That that is a really fascinating story. What? What did you specifically work with in terms of um, of items? Were there, was there anything that really struck you that you helped retrieve? And well, uh, we we tried to check every one of these one thousand or so repositories to make sure they were secure. We had a letter signed by Eisenhower, which we post on the door, saying it was off limits. We would talk to the local government government, that is the military government, the U.S. military government, because we stayed in our zone. And uh, we tried to help local churches, local museums, get their materials back from these repositories. We helped them with trucks sometimes. And, uh, uh, for example, the city of Ulm got hold of me one time and said, we've got a real problem. They're re-apportioning uh, uh, part of, uh, of this uh, state. Uh, Ulm is in Baden. I'm not mistaken, is that right? Mm-hmm. And um, the lower part was going to into the become part of the French zone. And I said, once the French get this stuff, it'll be very difficult to get it back over the border into yes. the city of Ulm. So I went down with three trucks and brought back sculpture by George Sirlin and the mm-hmm. stained glass from the cathedral and the original drawing for the cathedral spire, oh, wow. about 15 feet high, and, and a lot of other stuff. And, uh, and turned it back to the uh, to the cathedral and uh, and the museum. Uh, there was very little vandalism, I must say. I was very proud of the American troops. They, one case, I think, a quartermaster unit uh, was caught cutting up cassones or other chests in order to make packing boxes for some Chinese porcelains, Sung Ming porcelains, which had been in the palace or in the museum where they were quartered. Uh, that was the worst case that we know of. And in a, uh, in a repository where the drawing collection of the city of Ulm had been placed in the country, we found some drawings on the floor with footprints on them, you know, Rubens drawings and things of that sort. But, uh, uh, and there were a couple of instances of looting. They're rather famous. One, the crown jewels of Hessen stolen by a, a major and his whack captain girlfriend and ultimately prosecuted and those were returned. Um, well, there are lots of tales about of, of adventure uh, that one could talk about, but that goes on forever. I have, uh, but to underscore that in general, the, uh, the record was good. Right. The stuff was protected. Right. Well, before we de- depart from this subject, um, 
give me some impressions of, of Munich. Did you spend much time in Munich? Yeah, I, well, I did because uh, there were, our, we had collecting points, and Munich in the old uh, Nazi headquarters was our collecting point, ironically. The Brown House was behind that, where Hitler lived. That, that had been destroyed, bombed, and burned. And the Führerbau, that is to say, the, uh, the chief administrative headquarters, was right next door. On the, all on the Königsplatz, where all yeah. the ancient museums are, the antiquity museums are. And uh, down to the river. Uh, yes, and this um, this collecting point, and one at Wiesbaden, were our principal collecting points. Uh, so I spent a good deal of time there, taking stuff in or getting information. And uh, Craig Smythe was in charge of the Munich one, and uh, uh, a man named Farmer and then Kelleher were in charge of the Wiesbaden one successively. Uh, we had uh, made every effort just to get the stuff into the collecting point if it was in jeopardy wherever we found it. And the collecting point was chiefly looted art, about to be returned, or homeless art. We didn't know to whom it belonged. There was no way of knowing. Uh, or it was art which belonged, uh, let's say, in a place that no longer had uh, uh, its identity, like Danzig lost its identity in the war. And we had some things from Danzig, silver collection. Uh, we had a Polish uh, Leonardo da Vinci, the girl with the mink. Uh, we had a Vermeer from Vienna, the uh, artist in his studio, and so on. So uh, it was quite exciting just to even just to, to go into that place and see what was there. It all had to be photographed, documented, uh, certified, and then shipped back. It sounds like a very exciting episode in your life. <laughs>